This is Destroyer. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to the Paradise Arcade. This is Eric. And this is Kyle. This episode, we have a very special guest. Very special guest. Instagram's greatest synthwave vinyl curator, Johnny Keeper. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. I love, like, we're doing this as if we're doing it like fresh and we've been having a conversation straight for like. 20 minutes but uh welcome to the show we're really happy to have you on because you know thinking about synthwave and all the things that we're interested in at following you through instagram you clearly have very similar interests to us um and so i wanted to get a fellow synthwave vinyl person on the show and talk about all of those particular things um I want to get it out there. Your Instagram, where where can people find you? What's your particular thing that you do that you want to shout out? Um, let's see. So I just do Instagram. I don't do Facebook or anything like that. Um, yeah. So what I like to do is just um, you know do very small uh, you know minute clips of you know mashups and you know vinyl that I'm interested in and vinyl that I'm you know, collecting and, you know, receiving. And, uh, I mean, that's basically it. So I initially started the, uh, big Instagram account because I've got a, a history in DJing. Uh, so I, um, started out with the idea of, you know, promoting myself as a DJ and, um, which I still do. Um, but I mean, I've kind of changed it more to like, um, just promoting, you know, what who I can call, you know, now friends, um, you know, different artists and stuff and, you know, trying to push their names. And so, yeah, that's, a, that's the intention now of my account. So lots of vinyl posts. Oh yeah. And I'm jealous of some of the stuff that you have on there. It's impressive. Um, Kyle and I had like a, and like a discussion about like, you probably have more synthwave vinyl than Kyle does. And that's, <laughs> fairly impressive i would say i got a lot of stuff i i can think of two people that i know who probably have more than me you being one of them mm-hmm. and the other one being uh jason uh super moves uh, yep i know exactly who you're talking about mr mr green turntable <laughs> am yeah. i right yes yes mr uh riga rp8 Yes, yes, he uh, he has some stuff that um, I, I every once in a while I'll take a, a stroll through his account and just to see like what don't I have that he has and um, and every and the stuff that he has that I don't you just you can't get and if you do you're paying you know quadruple the amount of and you know crazy discog seller prices and it's not worth it but so no that's the thing you know if, if do you feel like that like undeniable like urge that even if you're not even sure you have to buy the vinyl because if you don't it's instantly gone yes absolutely um and i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a group on facebook called synthway vinyl collectors um, <laughs> i think it's got like yeah a couple thousand members um um we have this thing it's called fomo that's what we call it um you know you don't you don't want to catch the fomo if something drops and you're not ready to buy it um, what FOMO stands for is fear of missing out. So mm. if you guys are ever on that uh, page and you see FOMO, that's that's what it, it means. I, I am on there. That's I've been on there, and that's a hundred percent true. If you yeah. don't get it as soon as it drops, if you aren't buying it right at that moment, good luck. Yep. Yeah, yep, and that's, that's true. And if and if you're gonna pay scalper prices, um, if you really want it, so. Yeah, it's absolutely insane the the aftermarket jump of mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to apply like universally to every single release. Um it, it just depends on I guess the hype machine 
behind a particular artist or label. Um, and then obviously how many they're, they're producing at that particular time. But yeah, it's absolutely ins- like I'm, I've missed um, a couple of releases and try to go back on Discogs and it's double, triple or quadruple. Give the- me some examples of what you're looking for. I just want to know. Akuma 2. Okay, you're fine. Um, what what I'm looking for, or what you're what looking I'm looking for? He, Kyle, what both of oh, you are looking yeah, for. Yeah, I missed out on Akuma too, like a dumbass. I missed out on the remixes of Akuma too. I I don't know why I slept on it. Uh, the new Lucy in Disguise, I slept on that. Oh man, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and I, yeah, I fucked on that. Uh, what else? Um, almost missed out on Magnetron three. But got it. I'm mad about that. I want to talk about how mad I am about that in part of the show. So thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I think uh, I was looking at it. It's really confusing initially because uh, they dropped it, New Retrowave. And it, it to me, it read like you pay $50, you get the vinyl, you get the mini disc, you get the cassette. But that's actually not how it worked out. They dropped... They did the vinyl drop one day, and then a week later, they did the mini disc and they did the cassette release. And so you pay 50 bucks for a double LP. You know, um, funny thing about that was I was having a conversation with someone, I think last week or last Friday when everything dropped. I believe this was New Retrowave's first um, pre order that they've dropped when they haven't initially dropped the full album that wasn't a bundle. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting the way they did that because usually they would drop things, um, you know, the album drops and the vinyl pre-orders drop. And of course, then you wait two or three months and you get it, you know, at your doorstep. Um, But this time they didn't. So I'm curious to see what happens when they drop the the full album this Friday, Um, if they're going to be, you know, doing a promotional variant or something or who knows. I don't know. They're, I've, I've talked to Tim, the uh, CEO of NRW, a couple times. Super nice guy, um, but uh, not really sure why they've changed things up and they're not consistent. Or maybe they're trying something new. Who knows? Kyle's got a lot of feelings about New Retrowave. And not all of them good. There's, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. But yep. it's interesting. And how do you feel? Because I'm curious... Kyle has very particular ears. I rely on his. I'm deaf as shit, so uh, I, you know, I the subtleties I I lose. Um, but how do you feel? Oh, do I even want to ask this question? Because I don't want to put you on blast. I don't want to put you. Uh-oh. I don't want to put you out there because people listen to the show, and I don't want to put you out there and like put you in a compromising position. But no, go for it. All right. Sorry. So, how do you feel about new retro waves vinyl releases in a general sense? Um, as of late, um, I feel much more confident about, you know, me pre-ordering, pre-ordering, uh, three and a half months, four months out. Um, a couple years ago, um, there was some doubt, um, just due to the mastering process. And of course the pre-order, no one likes to pre-order. Um, you know, that's an unfortunate thing that comes with this community is that we're almost always, you know, all of us are patient. You know, we just want it then, you know, we want right. the latest, the greatest, you know, we've got, we found this new style of music and you, we just can't get enough of it um so um you know no one likes to wait um but Tonebox took over the mastering process i believe yeah, jonas sometimes yes. mid mid last year and um the man the the stuff they've been releasing now is quality um i mean we can you know every label has its ups and downs i guess like some people are pretty pissed off that nrw doesn't have the spine um name you know, um, which makes it difficult when you're looking through your collection to find a particular album. Um, that honestly doesn't bother me very much. Um, what so... about no spine like they used to do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the no, I mean, that's just not, honestly, that was just pure laziness. Um, but I think that they've uh, they've really I mean, just like any other business, I mean, you've got to start small and you got to see what works and everything and you got to listen to the people. And it seems like they're getting the message, which is great. So um I mean, I, as of as of today, I really don't have anything bad to say about them. Um, this time last year, I, Kyle, I was probably like you, you know, just <laughs> you know, just fed up and you know, like, man, it's just ridiculous, you know. 
Um, the one thing I really don't, or I question what they're doing now is, you know, dropping, if they're going to release an album and they release like 150 and of course, like the masses go out and they, you know, they buy up the 150 really quick. And then, you know, a couple hours later, they'll drop another variant. Um, I think they fixed that by dropping both variants on the same day. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, overall, I think they're, you know, a pretty decent label. It's, you know, you it, with their YouTube channel, I mean, if you want to get out there and if you, you know, if you are able to make it on retro wave as a producer, I mean, you're pretty much a shoe in, you know, you're going to get calls and you're going to get people reaching out to you. So. And I will agree with that. It is number. If you want recognition, it's the number one thing. And yes, mm -hmm. the albums that tone box masters are, those are good. Yeah, but he mm -hmm. still doesn't do all of them. Akuma t uh, two remixes, not mastered. You know, I reached out. It's it, funny that you mentioned that. I reached out to Ten regarding um, the mastering process behind the Ollie Ride Deluxe Edition, which I ended up picking up, and I had some questions because um, the comparison between the original album and the remix album there was a drastic audio difference. Um, and he mentioned that each artist or each remixer, um, they actually uh, mastered their own track for vinyl and then send it to them and then they pressed it. So I'm assuming the Akuma 2 remixes were the same because you're not the first person that I've had this conversation with regarding the Akuma 2. Um, so that's, ju that's just an assumption, but um, it would make sense while it didn't, why it didn't um, sound so leveled through the whole album from a vinyl perspective because you've got different artists mastering their own tracks at different levels. Yeah. You know, some are going to go, you know, pick up the, the trouble. Some are going to drop the bass down a little bit. Um, so it wouldn't sound consistent, which, which honestly makes sense. I mean, cause you've got artists like, you know, on that particular album, you have uh, um, FM attack then you have um, Wolf club and uh, you know, and then you've got some guys from strap record like four Hill. They obviously don't master all the same. Four Hill is a lo-fi, you know, synth wave or chill wave artist. You've got FM Attack, who's like, you know, pretty much the king. Obviously, their mastering process is going to be a little bit different. So, you know, hence the sound difference. Is that um, and I'm, is that for you distracting when you put a vinyl on, and you have that that mastering difference? Does it distract for you, or are you able to overcome that? Because even for me, being a deaf boy hearing things mastered in different levels like really like it kind of throws me for a loop if something like if there's a wild variation like with megatron 3 i'm a little concerned because most of the tracks are mastered by one person tonebox does his particular own mastering and then somebody else i forget who it is does their own mastering so you got three people in the mix mastering a, an album and to me that does raise some concern like is this going to be cohesive sound wise sonically honestly it all depends on why i'm buying an album um if i'm buying an album you know with the intention of solely djing with it which some albums i do you know i'm like this is the, this is the only track that i like off of this particular album and i know exactly what i'm going to do with it um then i don't mind but when it comes to like the listening enjoyment of a record then yeah it does kind of you know work me a little bit because you've got to go up to your you know your receiver or whatever and adjust your volume or your bass you know i mean sometimes you just want to put an album on and just you know kick back and relax um you know with uh with the different levels and different mastering it kind of makes it difficult to do that you provide a really interesting uh, counterpoint that Obviously, there's different ways to listen to vinyl and what you do with it. So if you're DJing, I, you know, that's one thing. I'm just the selfish bastard and just always think about my own personal enjoyment myself at the end of the day. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's a valid point. I mean, I really can't argue with it. Um, although it'd be interesting, I suppose you, if you DJ, you're going in knowing like this track is way hot or this track is way soft. So you're going to mm -hmm. have to do some stuff so it sounds consistent over the PA. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, if you, you know, dip through my Instagram account, I'll, you know, sometimes get a little crazy. Like I think one time I did a um, an FM84 and Ollie Ride uh, track, the Running in the Night, uh, mixed in with a Carpenter Brute track, which totally, you know, worked. 
and it just made it into like an instant like dark wave track <laughs> i mean is... it's, it's, it's a minute clip but i mean it's like when i did that i was like this is this is really interesting and i think i like it so i posted it and you know, i think you should send us that, it, so. that you need to send us that in full oh I, yeah i'm interested <laughs> in that so do you like i guess i haven't heard the new ollie ride record i'm not i i tend i think both kai and i tend to be on the on the dark synth dark wave end of the spectrum mm-hmm. I do like. You didn't catch that from saying that both, you know, both of us don't like the sun. Darkness. I mean, how is the 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 Ollie Ride record, in your opinion? It's great. It's really good. Um, it, you know, it's not. It, it's pop. Um, the uh, the album itself was. It's a strong album. I mean, it's like full of hits. Um, but what really? And, and but I initially passed on it when they dropped it. I was like, this is something that I can enjoy digitally. Um, and then they um, dropped a remix, Deluxe Vinyl. Uh, and I was like, man, you know, th- th- I got to give it to NRW. They really market their product very well and with the teasing and stuff. I really like what they're doing with the, you know, you can't listen to the remixes unless you buy the Deluxe package, which for some people that suck. For me, I'm like, you've got a lineup. Like you've got th- that particular one had Fort Hill, FM Attack, Wolf Club, um oh man you know amongst like you know seven or eight other heavy hitters in the scene which sold me and i went with my gut and it wasn't wrong because the remix album is is pretty pretty hot it's pretty good i feel that way about akuma too i think i like the remix album more than the standard one you know i did um i liked the original release more than the remixes initially um and the reason being is because i was talking to a guy another svc member and I told him, I was like, man, the remix album just sounds like two um, festival, you know, dubstepy stuff. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that, that, that was on upon the first listen. And then it took me a little while and I was like, wow, some of the stuff is like really good. And I was really excited to see like, you know, artists like Scattle get some some uh, recognition on New Retro Wave because he's old school. Yep, I mean, I he's been around for a long time. So it was really nice to see him, um, you know, like I said, get recognition. What did you think of that Stranger remix? Um, who who remixed that again? Stranger. <laughs> no, the remix by Stranger, not yeah, for the sorry, track sorry. Stranger. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, so sorry. Named after him, though. Yes. You know, I don't even remember hearing that one, honestly. Um, I think I it's right after you the got... Gremlin remix. It's after that one. No, it's after the Tone Box one. It's the track directly after that. Let's see. I'm actually going to pull up the album right now. Cause you know, what's weird is that I can actually recognize what I'm listening to by looking at like the cover of the album, looking at the, uh, the, uh, the order of the album. So we've got the stranger. And so he actually remixed antagonist, which antagonist was a fantastic song. Um, antagonist was the, uh, it's like 175 BPM, um, uh, which, you know, was like a drum and bass. Um, and that's my background. That's what I initially started playing. Um, you know, years ago um so yeah i think he killed it honestly i think that stranger remix was fantastic i love the remix i love the original i love the original so much once again i'm going to do some self-promotion if you go through my instagram page actually remix the ducktales theme song with antagonist like when i first got the vinyl so it was pretty fun i remember that i remember that clearly yeah, yeah. you hear that, yeah, that andrew was time. that was that was after a couple drinks <laughs> that's awesome Sweet. What even made you think of that? Yeah. Where the fuck do you get your ideas from? Sometimes I just get bored. You know, I, I, most of my mixes, you know, I, I'll actually mix for like, you know, an hour, you know, sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes a couple hours. I'm just kind of put things together and try to make things consistent because initially, you know, my, my whole goal when I started this account was, you know, to, to build a, uh, you know, a, a DJ following. So I wanted to get booked and stuff like that. Now it's, uh, it's obviously changed a little bit. Uh, so I'll just kind of pick stuff up. I have a, I have a huge collection of things um, and I'll just kind of grab things. And I've, I've been playing so long that I can actually do things off of here fairly well. You know, once I get to know the, you know, the songs on the album. So sometimes it works out. Sometimes it's, you know, utter garbage. So, so you basically, is it one of those things where like you recognize like, Okay, it's this BPM, and 
song structure and you kind of like are just through osmosis go eh, maybe this will work together or do you really just kind of throw things because i would have never thought like ducktales and akuma 2 remake like or akuma 2 like that is not something that would even occur to me and i've watched that shit growing up so where mm-hmm. my biggest question my biggest what the fuck right now is ducktales theme song on vi- on vinyl where how <laughs> So I got it off of a um, an old hip hop scratch record, and it's it's called '80s Cartoon and Arcade Breaks or something. So it has like different Nintendo sounds and uh, old '80s, you know, and '90s clips from cartoons like Beavis and Butthead, Ren and Stimpy. Um, and I came nice. across the Ducktales one, and I think it was it was pretty um, close to the time where the digital album dropped, and I couldn't get enough of that one particular song, Antagonist. And uh, I guess it just kind of you know clicked in my head and so i was kind of chopping on the bit to get the the vinyl in and once i did i think i, I threw it on i threw that post up like maybe two days after the vinyl arrived so yeah i'd had that idea simmering for a while so that's awesome i mean again i i i'm impressed because i would have never really thought of that per se so props to you have thank to you say that yeah. the people in the video game vinyl collectors group would probably go crazy if they knew that that ducktales thing was out there and they could get it right yeah yeah now the the, uh the the pressing and the recording of it because it's a hip-hop scratch record the quality of it is kind of garbage it's definitely not like your your nice 180 gram vinyl it's very thin very flimsy it's you know it's got pops and stuff so it's not it it wasn't it wasn't made to actually like put the record on and listen to it it was made to like sample it and you know, some of the some of the little sample clips on that particular album were like five or six seconds. So it's more like a tool than anything. Let me ask you this: how like how long have you been collecting vinyl? Is it something that you've been doing forever, or is it something you've like oh. put down, and picked up again? Yeah, I've uh, you know, from a DJ perspective, I've you know been collecting for I'd say twenty years. Um, it's been a long time. I started DJing very young. Um, and then I took a break um, when like Pioneer released the, the really nice uh, CDJ uh, digital um, CD turntables, and then you could you know in, incorporate your laptop, and so it made it so much easier. Um, it started I started you know playing out more because it was so simple. You know you didn't have to hunt down a record, you didn't have to hunt down a song. You could literally just go onto SoundCloud or to um, um, other websites um what's that one website we can download all the music beatport i think that's what it's called yeah beatport yep. yeah and uh God, and you, you can just put together fuck. a set like that and uh i was playing so much i was playing stuff that i didn't even enjoy became a job so i just stopped altogether stopped collecting records stopped um you know djing um and I, honestly what made me kick it up again was coming across synthwave and that was it and that was about um I'd say, you know, like I said, I came around to it around 2009, 2010, um, and I started noticing there was a vinyl collector's group, and I started picking up, you know, things here and there, and I was like, this, these, you know, these can actually start working, and that's when the addiction started all over again. <laughs> was technically I mean, 2009 synthwave even technically a thing yet? Like, was it more? Because, like, my understanding is like French touch, and then synthwave, like. That's like I feel like that was my was is is that just like journey my, into it? It okay because I I really honestly don't know the origins. Like that was kind of like for me it was drive soundtrack and I pursued all the French touch things and then synthwave. Um, I, I I you know and I, of course I'm doing a disservice to folks that have been doing it forever, but. Uh, was that really happening at the same time? Like you, you had mentioned well, some stuff earlier. Yeah. Well, before um, there was actually synthwave, there was a new disco, and I think synthwave kind of like merged. You know, came out of like the French Touch. Um, you know, it inspired music like John Carpenter and stuff, and it kind of formed its own thing. You know, back in like, I remember downloading uh, Future Cop mixes from like 2009, 2010, and just coming across stuff that I'd never heard of. Um, you know, and then like stuff like Alan Brax, um, of course, you know, Daft Punk did other French touch, French touch 
um, style had like this huge impact on this music and it just kind of like morphed out of a, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, who would have thought that, you know, someone who uh, scored, you know, horror movies and you've got the guys in France making like, you know, you know, Justice and Kabinsky and Daft Punk and um, just all coming together to form this new style of music. I mean, it's like two opposite sides of the spectrum, which is crazy. Um, back in uh, the early, you know, I believe it was like 2012, 2013, I actually had a, uh, a DJ night. It was called Summer Camp and it was all digital. It wasn't vinyl. Um, and uh, we actually, you know, on our flyers, we would do these 80s images and we put Summer Camp across it real big. And um, we put like, you know, the best in like house and new disco and synthwave. And honestly, we thought synthwave was anything that had in like an 80s sound to it. And boy, were we wrong, but, uh, I'd say know. that still counts. That still counts. <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting, my opinion has evolved of what synthwave is just because it's, it's almost become, and my, my fiance would disagree with me on this point, but to me, it's like synthwave is anything that really incorporates a synthesizer or synth synthesizer sounds and mm -hmm. then it like can branch out to dark wave and in disco and everything else because it's infinite what you can do with those particular tones and then you start to granulate down into the different genres um so it's such a broad thing um and yeah you're right it's interesting how a couple things in the the what the late 2010s exploded into this huge thing and how they converged like who thought like perturbator and like say chromio could almost be kind of in the umbrella of the same thing exactly that's like mind-blowing <laughs> it really is because you have like you know when you think of perturbator you've got like you know metalheads you know like you know rock and roll you know this and that and you think of chromio you've got your like your house guys you know who can enjoy the club nights and stuff like that but you know you would never think that they would be in the same room together enjoying the same music <laughs> and like really like you know getting down with it it's so crazy also that you know that you said that with metalheads like the relationship of metal and synthwave is so close to each other and mm -hmm. just it is yep it's one of yeah, the genres yeah, it really is. of music that like maybe like calmer types of music that metalheads will get into like die hard. Cause like, I've always listened to whatever, but I feel like if you're a child of the eighties and watched any TV or commercials, no matter what you're into, anything in the synth wave umbrella automatically applies to you immediately. Right. Let, let me ask this to both of you is the 1975, a synth wave band. You, I'm not even familiar with them. So I was. You know, the, I, I've only heard a couple of their songs, and I would say no, but that's just my opinion. So, so like, I was uh, on a road trip with with my lady, and uh, I was trying to find things that she would like because she doesn't like synthwave. It's just not her thing. Oh wow! It's painful, dude. It's wow. hard. Right, it's, well, this interview was over. No, I'm yeah, yeah, it's a difficult. It's a difficult life. Uh, okay, I thought your uh, SO was cool, but... <laughs> yeah, she's not... Well, she grew up in hip-hop and, and inner-city stuff and didn't, like... She but was I never, like all that stuff, too. But she was never exposed to, like, the things that we, like, instantly tune into and, like, she's like, this sounds weird. Um, but I, w I was like, okay, I'm going to play a pop song uh, that I... Or uh, an artist that I think that you would like... And I played the 1975, and I forget that like their whole shtick is 80s music. Like they they riff off of 80s kind of song structures and tones and that kind of thing. And I went, I would never apply them to synthwave, but she's like, she she mistook the 1975 for the Motion Epic. Oh wow, huh? Yeah, and I was like, and to me in my brain, I'm like, they couldn't be farther from. How did you even remotely make that connection? But in her mind, it was like they were basically the same band. And 
obviously you know exactly like at least peripherally know exactly what it like that that's a huge difference between the two yeah 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 <laughs> and, I was, and it, like sometimes but also like i i can also see that too i and, can see both ends of the spectrum here on that yeah it's an interesting thing like because most of my friends like synthwave i listen to mostly either retro music or synthwave music and i think within the within the genre there's such a huge variety of things, but from an outside perspective, it's like, it's all the same. It's the same thing. It's like that meme. Cause I can say this, like myself being a huge hip hop fan growing up and loving hip hop the most. And just being into that. If someone said to me, like if I played for them, something from New York and something from the South, and if they were like, this is the same thing, I'd be like, whoa, hold the fuck whoa, on a second here. That's true. What are yep. you talking yep. about? Yeah, it's interesting in in untrained ear, if you will, because to me there's such a huge difference and 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 is that like is that training? That's gotta be training. Like you we we're so like we could tell like I could tell a perturbator, destroyer, whoever drum beat, like I could instantly recognize like Oh, this is so and so produced on the song because I can recognize their particular thing. They either a synth that they use, or a drum mm-hmm. beat that they like, or a little a drum break that they rely on. A common sound, even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's yeah. a big um, thing. Like a like a like a like a Celerect. I'm not sure if you guys are Celerect fans. Uh, Celerect, mm-hmm. LA Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's got a very unique sound um, that almost sounds like it came, you know, from the '80s. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his. I'm I'm not a big fan of the way that he's operated business and screwed people over. But um, you know, as far as from a musical perspective, the guy's a synthwave genius. He really is. I mean, he is like he's like top tier as far as like nostalgic music for me. Do you think that there are accidental synthwave artists, like? people producing music with synthesizers or a particular kind of tone that before the prevalence of synthwave were just independent, they just did their thing. And now that synthwave is a thing, they've been brought into the fold. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe in the beginning, uh, but like nowadays, like it's, I mean, it it is a, it's a particular style, you know I mean? so back in the day, have you guys seen the Rise of the Synths documentary? Not yet. Oh man, you gotta you gotta see it. It was fantastic, and um, you know some of the guys, the way they've talked about the history of synthwave, um, like in, um, Miami Nights '84, um, '80 Stallone, and all the old schoolers used to say, you know, like we just, you know, we had this, you know, five or six of us around the world on, and it was this group on MySpace. We would kind of throw music back and forth. We didn't even know what we were doing. We just kind of liked it. We just, you know, it was like a homage to the 80s. And that's how, you know, this, in my opinion, those guys actually started it, you know, and grew the actual synthwave name because, you know, they came together as a collective, you know, from all different parts of the world and uh, and just started this music. I mean, now the, the Future Cop, he was, I, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with his um, his production. But I was familiar with his mix and mixes, and I was like, "Man, this is really good stuff." Because he's mixing, you know, Tears for Fears and Flock of Seagulls with Chromio and other things like that, and it worked. <laughs> it was fantastic, and that that was that was that was my introduction. But yeah, um, that's speaking my language right there. Yeah, is what like, that is. <laughs> like I saw physically saw Kyle perk up when you <laughs> said that. So nice. I mean, Chromio with anything, yeah. sure. Yeah. But then other legends. Like, as previously mentioned, even better. Yeah. Well, and one of the other artists that I think of very specifically that kind of, like, is almost maybe the heart of what Synthwave is, but also is not it at all, is Comtruse. Like yeah, he I would never, 100%. He would never label himself a Synthwave artist. He, no, he, he specifically does not. He separates himself from it He completely. is not a thing, but... If any undiscerning ear would listen to Comtrues, they they would easily lump him into everybody else. Um, I think if I played Comtrues for someone who had no idea, they'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> right. <laughs> that as well. His, his production um, is just off the wall. I mean, it's 
I wish every, you know, synthwave artist that came out sounded like his his style of, of production from a mastering standpoint. It is like pure quality. I wonder I because mean, like, he has no musical background at all, as far as I understand. Like he's that, a guy... that, that I don't know. I'm not sure, but I I do know that he he also has a drum and bass background, I believe, which maybe what know, I can tell you is he is a very nice person. Yeah, he is indeed a very nice guy. He's very That's gracious awesome. and a fantastic producer too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I will not yeah, bar, disagree with you on that. Bar, he is one of my bar favorites. none. Yeah, yeah. Seth is. So Eric, you made me think of a question like. Who do you think of, and Johnny, this goes for you as well. I want to know what both of you think. Like, if someone says synthwave, who's the first artist that comes to your mind that, like, this is a synthwave artist? And I will answer who I think with first. Like, if I think synthwave and I think of a specific artist, the first person that comes to my mind is Wave Shaper. Mm. That's a good one. And it uh, mine's Mitch Murder hands down and that might be because i just got the selections box set in like last night and i'm like sitting here looking at it chomping at the bit to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I but, will uh, say... but man I, I mean when it comes down to synthwave i mean that's like you know once again that's top tier i know i said Celerect is like top but i mean mitch murder is like he's got i mean you know a song by him and of course like the kung fury background and everything like he's the man in my opinion oh man i'm, I'm trying to think because like fuck I'm I'm honestly trying to think of like like if I were to say here is here's synthwave here's your introduction into the genre this is what this is the most distilled purest form of of what the genre is um man um maybe stills maybe okay um it just depends on your perspective. Who, who was the first synthwave artist that you played for your fiance? Um, man, that she hated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I played a bunch of stuff, uh, and I think initially when I was getting her into it, she was just being really polite and didn't say that she hated every single moment of it. Um, you know, I I was like. I think for me, because it's my journey into synthwave, like if we don't talk about French touch is like what really got me into the whole mindset is Comtrues and Perturbator. Like the two of them on the uh, opposite ends of the spectrum got me into the rest of the genre because I think they're a really good barometer for like you either like heavier stuff or you like, I'm, I hate to say it, but like, hip hop meets like ambient kind of mm -hmm. stuff together. Like those are like two opposite ends of the spectrum that can like funnel you into like any variety of direction that you like. Um, but like the perfect synth wave artist. And I feel like no one wants to be, everyone wants to be synth wave, but no one wants to be labeled synth wave at the same time. Like, yeah, it's not cool anymore. <laughs> it's like a thing you don't, you don't directly want to be called unless you're like a new and up and coming artist who wants to like have a through line of like, Oh, I instantly recognize what this means now. I want someone to make a meme about me saying, Oh, I only listen to synthwave or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, it, you know what? I like it all. There's a big umbrella that covers a lot of I'm making motions with my hand of a big umbrella. Yeah. It's like a you lot are. of stuff that fits underneath it. And I love it all. I was straight out yeah. called, called out saying, do you only like music that sounds like it's from the 80s? It, yes. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> but wait a minute. And I was kind of offended by that that comment because I'm like, but that's such a wide. I wouldn't be. I would be happy if somebody said that to me. Because like, I, I was thinking, I'm like, that's that decade, in my opinion, you have such an experimentation, like in the 70s you've got the beginning of it because you've got the introduction of the moog synthesizers and those mm -hmm. things but they were really just playing around with it the late 70s you've got obviously like gary newman you know like joy division a little bit like starting to play mishmash of these genres and if you look at like the 70s like there may have been like 20 genres and then the 80s 
it's like there's 80 genres like there's the mm-hmm. explosion of like like 80s genres. 80s genres <laughs> well like you think about like the if you think about like genesis and peter gabriel obviously they're through line together um and then you think about like metal even metallica with thrash or anthrax or slayer post-punk and all those things like all of the the variations of the subtleties really start in the 80s of like what could be hip-hop hip-hop is another thing like in the late 70s is what the sugar hill gang what when did like i think that was late 70s that was mm-hmm. like yeah, 78 maybe 79. early maybe like 80 or 81 you know it's it's really like simple in the late 70s or in the 70s and then the 80s come out and everything becomes a thing and then you've got like with hip hop like within that decade a huge variety of of regional things and then you talk about like rock music and and new wave and it, it's it's England, it's Eastern Europe, it's America, and then it's East Coast, West Coast, obviously for the variations there. And like I think the explosion of experimentation and variety, that's when it really happens, in my opinion. So to me, I'm like, I was kind of a fan. I'm like, that's the most, one of the most experimental and free decades for music where people are like, what are rules? I don't know what rules are. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. And you've got the CBGB, you know, Blondie and Talking Heads and Ramones and Kiss and all, like, all that out of New York. And then, obviously, you've got the L.A. thing. And I'm like, there's such a huge variety of in that decade. Like, I'm not, why is that a bad thing? Why is there a connotation, negative connotation to that? Yeah, I guess everyone always uh, thinks 80s is uh, all neon lights and, um, you know, cheese ball like sports coats and stuff like it's you know there was a day you you explained it perfectly if you look from a if you you look further in you know it kind of was the foundation for a lot of subgenres or or new genres like hip-hop i mean for instance which is massive i mean like it's one of the you know highest you know selling music you know to date i don't know about you guys but i listen to any modern music and i can instantly tell who they're ripping off from the 80s basically Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, you're I mean, stealing. The, the weekend just dropped a new. Oh, I, I, he just, you know, I believe it was earlier this year. He put out a new single, and it's very synth wave. I'm not sure if you guys have heard it. Apparently, or... the whole album is is an '80s synth wave inspired kind of thing. And, but like, should you be mad if it's a quote unquote ripoff, or should you think like, here's something embracing that? I don't. I have no opinion on it because I haven't I, heard any of I, it. I, I honestly don't have. I don't have an opinion either. Like. Um, I feel like there's a, a, a 80s music really captures a tone, I think, really well, an emotion or a state of mind better than previous decades. And once you hit the 90s, it starts to evolve and become, I don't know, maybe more commercial or whatever it is. So anyone that references that decade, I'm not offended by it. I'm like, oh, that's how you get me at least paying attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How much does age have to factor into this too? Oh yeah, just being old as fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jonathan, how? What is your age range? <laughs> At least if you don't want to say specifically. I'm somewhere between like 17 and 62. Somewhere between there. I mean, that's what I feel like too. Like, yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah. I I am an old person in a young person's body. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because it's been pickled with alcohol. But like, I'm 38. So okay. I, wow, you, you I feel, it out there. yeah, I, I, it's out there. I feel, you know, like synthwave strikes a certain chord with me. But, mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing is, is like we've talked about before, Perturbator is a much younger person who's doing this kind of music too. So, I mean, there's that. But I also feel like people around our age range, you may or may not be close to how old I am. I, I am. Yeah, I, I, I am close to your age. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but I, I agree totally. It, it strikes a, uh, you know, it pulls on your nostalgic nerve. It really does. And it just brings you back into a time where, you know, you just, you know, you would go home on a weekend and order pizza and drink Mountain Dew and play Ghosts and Goblins, you know, or you go to the arcade or something. And it was just, it was God, a simpler. That, that right sounds there. like the perfect day, right? Yeah, there. Can we do that? 
Eric, yeah. I almost thought about ordering us a pizza while we were here, but I also thought it would be rude if we were eating pizza doing it. Like it could have been a pizza party, but it could have been uh, a pizza party next time for sure. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, pizza parties like that's like the pinnacle of my youth and existence. Like if you can get pizza and then mm-hmm. uh, jolt, if you can get your hands on jolt, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so. If you can get your hands on that, that like that was the pinnacle. So like Pizza Party, Jolt Cola, Nintendo, like the original Nintendo, like you were mm-hmm. that's the high life. Yep, the good old days. And, and and honestly, that's why I think that, you know, there's such a cling to this style of music because it brings us back to that time. And you know, the the best thing about it is just like, you know, the the spectrum is so broad. You know, I mean, some days, you know, you might want to, you know, be like in a FM84 mood, you know, and then another day you might want to be in a destroyer mood. And it's, you know, the same genre, but, you know, maybe you want to chill and go for a drive. Maybe you want to go and, you know, you know, pound some whiskey. I mean, you're going to yeah. do that, listen to FM84. You're going to do that, listen to like, you know, something different. <laughs> I almost you know, feel like, like Synthwave is such a generic it's like saying rock. Do you listen to rock music? Exactly. Like, yeah, it that really doesn't is. mean anything because I think that's the exciting part about it too. Yeah. It's like, do you listen to synthwave? Yes. Please tell me about all the various artists that you like. Yeah. Because there are yeah. so many. And I th- and like what I was getting to, like with the accidental synthwave artists, um, because I think it's such in reality, it's such a broad because we we could break it down into like two things: use of synthesizers or '80s nostalgia. Like, those are kind of the two things you can, like, break it into. So, you like Thrasher, Metal, okay, you've got you've got your Synthwave artists that do that, or Darkwave artists, or do you like Tears for Fears and Phil Collins? Okay, then that's a... a you've got do you art- like movie soundtracks? Do you like movie soundtracks? Mm-hmm. Do you like John Carpenter? Okay, well, there you go. Like, it's such a broad... And I think about, like, what excites me the most, and I don't either both of you I want your opinions um because like I like film scores and I also like pop music the the song structures are so vastly different to me it's almost like it, it that's what makes it so vague is that they're so different from one another yeah they might both use synthesizers but what you can do with them is so exciting and so vastly different that like it's always new and exciting to me. Synthwave fits a mood. Indeed. I will say. Because I could be like, um, today when I came home from work, I'm like, I'm on vacation. I'm going to listen to some stuff. I could go from one thing to another. It's like, what could it be? Could it be movie soundtrack? Could it be dark wave something? Mm-hmm. It could be anything. It It really fits with your mood. Like, today... When I did come home, I listened to Dead or Alive. I listened to Youthquake. Oh, good for you, man. That was the first album that I listened to. And then I listened to Perturbator Sexualizer. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I went to something a little bit different. I went to some like rock alternative stuff. I did uh, Death from Above 1979. But then I ended it. Oh, Eric just left. I ended it with a little bit of, like you had mentioned earlier, Destroyer. So it's like yep. you could go all over the place with how you feel, what you're, what you want to do. Uh, the movie soundtrack thing. I wanted something a little more exciting than that, a little more intense. Although there are some intense, you know, movie soundtrack type things. Mm-hmm. Sexualizer is kind of like that, though. It is, yeah. It's, you know. Um... Who else came to mind when it comes like to the perfect mix of musical score and synthwave is Makeup and Vanity Set. Oh, like the, like his style um, is. It, I like to say it's diverse, but you'd really have to know their music to say that's diverse. Because to someone else, you know, his latest album will sound like you know um, Wilderness, which um, Electric Dream Records just dropped on vinyl like last week, which was awesome. Um, Yes, it's, the it's, repress. It's, it's, EDR, Brian, the guy who owns yeah. that, that's my boy right there. Oh, yeah, Brian's cool. I've never met him. Um, uh, he's, he's, I've talked to him a couple times. Um, super nice guy. He's like, willing to like really check his stock to see if he can help you out. 
So there's not a whole lot of EDR releases that I'm missing. The one I I, I was missing, um, he wasn't able to help me out with, and that was the Protector 101 self-title album. Um, it, it was one of the first releases that it was back through Curates or Curates. Curates, yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, yeah. man, um, I am kicking myself. I missed that one, so. Ooh, I'm kicking myself for missing that in Mojave. Oh, I wish I would have done it. Because I got, like, um, Renegade. I got mm-hmm. the Summerland crates released. I did the other ones. So, yes, FOMO. <laughs> yeah, big, yeah, big serious. time FOMO, FOMO right yeah. there. I mean, it, 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 you get so mad looking back, like, why didn't I pull the trigger? You know, like, and, and then some of the t- sometimes I'll do that on an album, and you know, it'll sell out, and I'll get it, and I'm like, man, this is awful. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I'm not going to name any names, but um, but yeah, the, it, the great thing is, guilty of that as well. But there's a chance you could sell it for more than what you bought it for. Yeah, because it's exactly, all comes down yeah. to taste. So. But I don't sell anything yep. either, so there's that too. You know, every once in a while I will. Um, I'll, you know, it, I've got a lot of doubles, so I've got a lot of, you know, you know, friends in the synthwave vinyl collectors community. So I'll offer it to them, and usually they'll take it, or I'll post it up for sale or something. Um, but it, it, what it, what really drives me crazy is the people that are buying up these albums and wanting to like make a profit on on them. Like I, from a business perspective, I understand that. But you know, you know, true fans are missing out on these albums that they're only getting a pressing of you know 100 or 150, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people are eBaying them and discogging them for so much. It just drives me absolutely nuts. So, um, with that being said, when I sell a record, usually I sell it at cost. Um, I, You're I'm, a true I'm not, gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, especially if it's sold out. You know, I might you know make like five or ten bucks or something, but I mean, I'm not going to you know triple the original cost of the album. I didn't make the music. You know, I don't need to make any money off of someone else's stuff. You know, I mean, you know, honestly, even wow. if I was to, you know, DJ, you know, for the longest time, I didn't even get paid. And once I started doing the digital stuff and I started playing genres that I didn't even like um, and I was getting paid for it, that's when it became a job. And that's when my hobby became, you know, something that I wasn't interested in anymore. So I've got a question for you since you mentioned doubles. Sure. Since you're a DJ, do you usually buy two copies of something when you get it? No, not really. It, it really all depends on the release. Um, I prefer black uh, vinyl. Just Me too. Oh my god! Motherfucking um, yes! You are the first person we've talked to who finally agrees with me, and I'm so <laughs> amped about that. You know, and, and I, I like to say I've got some side, some sort of scientific backing to say why I like it because some people say, "Oh, it lasts longer, and it's got a different carbon makeup or whatever." It, it you know, it just. From, that's an, that's my own personal perspective. Is from a DJing perspective, it works well because I can actually see it. For some reason, over the past two or three months, I have been a variant whore. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's so strange. Honestly, there's there's so many cool variants coming out where I'm like, why don't I just kind of spice up my collection and get you know the extra bloody splatter with smiley faces and rainbows, you know, or get the black, you know. So usually I'll go for the black, but for some reason lately. I've been doing the smiley spider rainbows with everyone's got moods. Yeah. yeah. If there's if there's a black version of a record, that is the one I'll go for first. The only so, one I can think of that I didn't do for that was going back to Wave Shaper mm-hmm. on uh, Velocity. That release. There was a specific blue one. And the blue one looks so cool. Like there was an alien jizz variant that looked kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Which I kind of coined. And uh, Tom, Wave Shaper, thought that was funny. Like that one was all right. There was a blue one. And then I think there was a red one too. It's just like, okay, these are my choices. The blue one to me looks better mm-hmm. than everything else. So I'll go with that. But I would have definitely went for black. I will always go for black over anything else as mm-hmm. like. I, I don't care about collectability or colors. I don't mm-hmm. care about you know anything else. I'm just a person who listens to it because I enjoy listening to things and I want something in the best quality that I can. So yeah. black will be yeah. my first choice. You're high fi yeah. nerd. Oh, well yeah. said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about um, man, uh, electric purification records. I mean, they've been at it for a long time. Well, not a long time, but I mean, probably for the past five or six years. Talk about quality. Like their quality of Agreed. albums with Wave Shaper, oh. FM eighty four, um, yes. Robert Parker, you know, a huge catalog of artists and quality. 
And you know what's great is they kind of set the precedence for, you know, like this is the way it's supposed to be. So props to them for like setting the bar very high. That, because then you have people, you know, that are like following suit. Like NRW, and I'm, I, I love them. I like, I really do. And I love everything they do for the scene. But the quality in the beginning wasn't up to where it needed to be. Now it is. You know, you have smaller labels like um, Laser Steel, um, which they started out as a uh, um, distributor. They were just, they were yeah, just distributing Greg. product. Yeah. Or Jeff, yeah but now they're doing, yeah. Um, yeah, now they're doing their own, la- like they, they signed a couple of people, Motion Epic for one. Yeah. Um, I think they just signed Peter Zimmerman. Um, and their quality. La Avenue, Cat Temper, um, mm-hmm. also L.A. Arson. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of other stuff, too. I think there's like four or five artists that I didn't realize that was was on his roster. Like, I remember when he had just signed Cat Temper and L.A. Arson. And I was like, oh, he's getting out of the distributing game and starting to do mm-hmm. legit kind of, uh, you know, his own releases. And now clearly like his he's getting more stuff and you know i really liked um the motion epic uh record that he really you know released and um also you know although it's funny uh the la arson record i think i pre-ordered that in maybe what february and it's still not ready yet i know i did see that he uh the original um, test press, the mastering wasn't done right. So props to them for, you know, wanting it to, to be done like, you know, to a T. Yeah. Um, I believe that he, I'm not sure if it was Jeff, he's the label owner, if it was him that didn't uh, sign up on it or if it was the artist himself. But yeah, uh, I remember them making a post months ago and I guess they have to start the process all over again with the way the world is right now. That could, you know, be another month or two. Hopefully yeah. Quicker. Yeah. So, because I, I pre-ordered that right away. We've had Dan on L.A. Arson, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, great guy. Um, and I, I pre-ordered that right away. And you, you kind of use, as you said, like, I think Synthwave fans are maybe one of the most patient group of people because you order this piece of music, and it could be four or five, six months before you, you get the actual thing. And it, clearly you can listen to the digital copies, but I, I try to listen to stuff on vinyl first if I can, but digital copies mm-hmm. don't do it for me. Yeah. They just, I mean, it, it's hard, but you know, like through Bandcamp, they offer all of the variety of sound formats and quality. And if you've got a good system, then you can get a very nice digital. Kudos to Bandcamp for allowing yeah. uh lossless oh, digital files. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a lifesaver there. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's exciting. It is, you know, an exciting time to be in me. And I think the most amount of stuff is happening in this scene, the most creative things, the most, um, interesting things that are happening. And you think about like a format single-handedly pushing physical media. Thank you. Since wave. It almost, I feel like that in video game vinyl, <laughs> like the two biggest things pushing vinyl records right now man i tell you i i would love to get my hands on the super mario 64 soundtrack i believe it's going for some it's, it's crazy crazy it's, it's i don't know what label dropped it i don't collect video game vinyl but that particular one because i love that game and i love the soundtrack um and i think it's going for like 300 bucks two or 300 bucks something like that and that's just that's just ridiculous you know, I, I will tell you that's not surprising, that and I will also tell you that uh, most of the video, video game vinyl soundtracks that come out right now are not official, mm-hmm. and you just have to be someone who's in the know and know certain people to get them now, which is the downfall. That's the that's the the worst part of it. It's like here's these cool things, but if you aren't cool enough to know who's releasing it, you're gonna miss mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Screw that. <laughs> so luckily, with okay, Synthwave, that, that, you're not you're not feeding you're feeding the masses. You're not feeding the fans. I mean, that's that's my two cents. I mean, I, I think that you know, but but I mean, if it's if it's not a legit you know you know uh, copyrighted copywritten you know copy from the actual artist or game distributor or whatever, then you know, at the end of the day, you're just trying to make money. How <laughs> you feel about that, Kyle? <laughs> 
It, it could go both ways. You're either trying to make money or you're trying to fulfill like the fans' desires. Because I will say, mm-hmm. in defense, is that sometimes there isn't the willpower or the money or the interest to, say, release something on a proper quality and format. And so the fan will pick up the burden and release it as it should be in all of its glory, as opposed to just some cash grab. Because I think sometimes, depending on who owns property rights, they're either solely looking at how many can I sell versus the cost of doing the thing, and you can cut corners, versus a passionate person who would go through the trouble of reproducing certain things exactly as they were and highest quality possible. I I have heard rumors that some of these fan releases (laughs) may or may not be of better quality than any licensed product may ever have been. No kidding. (laughs) That's crazy. Wow. Hmm. Rumors. I I, I don't know anymore. 